The Clock Strikes Thirteen by Mildred A. Wirt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Cheryl Adam, Skowhegan, Maine, 2015. Chapter Three A Black Hood. Good evening, Sheriff. Mr. Parker said evenly as he recognized the heavy-set man who stepped from a county automobile. I'm afraid you've mistaken me for someone else this time. Sheriff Daniels put away his revolver and moved into the beam of light. Sorry, he apologized. Thought you might be Clem Davis and I wasn't taking any chances. You're Parker of the Riverview Star? That's right, agreed the editor. Looking for Clem Davis? I'm here to question him. I'm investigating a fire which was set at the Preston place. You're a fast worker, Sheriff, Mr. Parker remarked. My daughter and I just left the Preston farm and we didn't see you there. What put you on Davis's trail? Our officer received an anonymous phone call from a woman. She reported the fire and said I'd find my man here. Could it have been Mrs. Preston who notified you? Mr. Parker inquired thoughtfully. It wasn't Mrs. Preston, answered the Sheriff. I traced the call to the Riverview Exchange. Thought it might be the trip of a crank until our office got a report that a fire actually had been set at the Preston Farm. By the way, what are you doing around here, Parker? Oh, just prowling, the editor replied, and explained briefly how he and Penny had chanced to be at the scene of the fire. If you followed a horseman to this lane, there may be something to that anonymous phone call, the sheriff declared. I'll look around and then maybe have a talk with Davis. Mind if we accompany you? inquired Mr. Parker. Come along, Sheriff invited. Penny was hard-pressed to keep step with the two men as they strode down the muddy lane. A light glowed in the window of the cabin, and a woman could be seen sitting at a table. The sheriff, however, circled the house. Following the trail of hoof marks, he went directly to the stable, quietly opening the double doors. Once inside, Sheriff Daniels switched on a flashlight. The bright beam revealed six stalls, all empty save one, in which stood a handsome black mare who tugged restlessly at her tether. Her body was covered with sweat, and she shivered. This horse has been ridden hard, the sheriff observed, reaching to throw a blanket over her. Here's something interesting, commented Mr. Parker. Stooping, he picked up a dark piece of cloth, lying in plain view on the cement floor. It had been sewed in the shape of a headgear, with eye holes cut in the front side. A black hood! Penny shouted in awe. Sheriff Daniels took the cloth from the editor, examining it closely, but saying very little. Ever hear of any night riders in this community? Mr. Parker asked after a moment, his tone casual. Never did, the sheriff replied emphatically and I sure hope such a story doesn't get started. Mr. Parker fingered the black mask. All the same, Sheriff, you can't just laugh off a thing like this. Even if the November elections aren't far away, I'm not worried about losing my job, the other broke in. So far as I know, there's no underground organization in this county, and all this mask proves is that Clem Davis may be the man who set the Preston fire. The officer turned to leave the stable. Before he could reach the exit, the double doors opened slowly. A woman who carried a lighted lantern peered inside. "'Who's there?' she called in a loud voice. "'Sheriff Daniels, ma'am,' 
the officer answered. You needn't be afraid. Who said anything about being afraid? The woman belligerently retorted. Coming into the stable, she gazed with undisguised suspicion from one person to another. She was noticeably thin, slightly stooped, and there was a hard set to her jaw. You're Mrs. Davis? the sheriff inquired. And as she nodded, he asked, Clem around here? No, he ain't, she answered defiantly. What you wanting him for, anyway? Oh, just to ask a few questions. Where is your husband, Mrs. Davis? He went to town early and ain't been back. What you aiming to lay on to him, Sheriff? If your husband hasn't been here since early evening, who has ridden this horse? The sheriff demanded, ignoring the question. Mrs. Davis's gaze roved to the stall where the black mare noisily crunched an ear of corn. Why, Sal has been rid, she exclaimed as if genuinely surprised. But not by Clem. He went to town in the fliver and he ain't been back. Sorry, but I have to take a look in the house. Oh, search it from cellar to attic, the woman said angrily. You won't find Clem. What's he wanted for, anyway? The Preston barn was set afire tonight, and your husband is a suspect. Clem never did it. Why, the Prestons are good friends of ours. Somebody's just trying to make a peck of trouble for us. That may be, the sheriff admitted. You say Clem hasn't been here tonight. In that case, who rode the mare? I don't know anything about it, the woman maintained sullenly. Didn't you hear a horse come into the yard? I never heard a sound until your car stopped at the entrance to the lane. I suppose you never saw this before, either. The sheriff held up the black hood which had been found in the barn. Mrs. Davis stared blankly at the cloth. I tell you, I don't know nothing about it, Sheriff. You ain't being fair if you try to hang that fire on to Clem, and you won't find him hiding in the house. If your husband isn't here, I'll wait till he comes. You may have a long wait, Sheriff, the woman retorted, her lips parting into a twisted smile. You can come in, though, and look around. Not caring to follow the sheriff into the house, Penny and her father bade him goodbye a moment later. Tramping down the lane to their parked car, they both expressed the belief that Clem Davis would not be arrested during the night. Obviously, the woman knows a lot more than she's willing to tell, Mr. Parker remarked, sliding into the seat beside Penny. Dad, do you think it was Clem who set fire to the Preston barn? We have no reason to suspect anyone else, returned the editor. All the evidence points to his guilt. Penny backed the car in the narrow lane heading towards Riverview. That was the point I wanted to make, she said thoughtfully. Doesn't it seem to you that the evidence was almost too plain? What do you mean, Penny? Well, I was just thinking, if I had been in Clem Davis's place, I never would have left a black hood lying where the first person to enter the barn would be sure to see it. That's so. It was a bit obvious, Mr. Parker admitted. The horse was left in the stable, and the hoof tracks leading to the Davis place were easy to follow. All true, Mr. Parker nodded. Isn't it possible that someone could have tried to throw the blame on Clem? suggested Penny, anxiously awaiting her father's reply. There may be something to the theory, Mr. Parker responded. Still, Mrs. Davis didn't deny that the mare belonged to her husband. She claimed that she hadn't heard the horse come into the stable, which obviously was a lie. 
Furthermore, I gathered the impression that Clem knew the sheriff was after him and intends to hide out. It will be interesting to learn if Mr. Daniels makes an arrest. Do you expect to print anything about it in the paper? Only routine news of the fire, Mr. Parker replied. There may be much more to this little incident than appears on the surface, but until something develops, we must wait. If you could gain proof that night riders are operating in this community, what then? Penny suggested eagerly. In that case, I would certainly launch a vigorous campaign. But why go into all the details now? I'm sure I'll not assign you to the story. Why not? Penny asked in an injured tone. I think night riders would be especially suited to my journalistic talents. I could gather information about Clem Davis and the Prestons, and this is Sheriff Daniel's baby, and we'll let him take care of it for the time being, Mr. Parker interrupted. Why not devote yourself to the great mystery of the Hubble clock? That should provide a safe outlet for your energies. The car was drawing close to Riverview. As it approached the tall stone tower, Penny raised her eyes to the dark windows. Just then, the big clock struck twice. Two o'clock, Mr. Parker observed, taking a quick glance at his watch. Or would you say three? There's no argument about it this time, Dad. All the same, I intend to prove to you that I was right. How? Oh, her father asked, covering a wide yawn. I don't know, Penny admitted, favoring the grim tower with a dark scowl. But just you wait. I'll find a way. End of chapter 3